Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Going for the Green Fantasy Golf Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I'm joined by Colin Drew. We are returning after the 3M Open, uh, the least amount of golf I have watched since the restart. Uh, my, my rules, Colin, in GPP this week, minimum one, Dustin Johnson, Tommy Fleetwood, and Tony Finau. My, my sweats... My sweats were dead really Thursday afternoon after after Dustin withdrew with the back injury. Buddy, at least you kept uh, Finau in that group because it was pretty ugly at the top of the board just in general. Um, obviously, you know, you had those big names that you mentioned, but then I believe it was seven of the nine highest-priced golfers on DraftKings missed the cut. Harris English made it through. He was the highest-owned golfer of the week, 25 to 30% owned or even higher in some contests. It was a great value, but very heavily owned. And then you had Tony Finau as well. And other than that, it was a disaster. So I managed to to make 150 lineups on both platforms and get zero six to six lineups through the cut. So I didn't do a whole lot better than you. I think I I think I got four six of six through on on DraftKings, and like I would guess 250 teams. I don't I don't know exactly even how many I made, but uh, yeah, it was not great. Yeah, I mean, it was super frustrating, especially because, well, the weeks that are the most frustrating for me are when you nail the right value plays and your top guy, like, ejects, misses the cut. So I felt like we were on a lot of the right value plays last week. Projections put us on some guys that were very low-owned in MME. Um, I mean, we we literally did tout Michael Thompson. Now, take it with a grain of salt, I tout Michael Thompson every single week, but literally we did tout it, and it just didn't matter. So, yeah, and it, I mean, it just didn't matter. So I had some really, really good five and six teams that just like anything through the cut, but um, obviously other people had that too. And uh, DJ, I think, is going to be a tough one just because he went 80-80 at the Memorial, opens up with a terrible round, he pulls the cord on it with the back injury, but uh, at least as of now, he's in the field this week, right? I will not be playing Dust J. Um, it's just like what, like, okay, he beats he beats Brandon Todd. He has the good week, but I, I, I'll I'll forgive one week of a guy not caring, right? Like I'll I'll forgive one week of just like you know it's a hard course. It's you know COVID. It's weird. Maybe you're having a good time after the win. Whatever. I'll I'll excuse it. But eighty eighty followed by a seventy eight with a WD. Uh, you're not you're not sneaking that one past me. Well, I, I got some some bad news for you because in our pinata pick segment, you're at least going to have partial shares of dust dust Jay. Well, there we go. I'll use that. I'll use that as my hedge, right? That's my uh, that's my way out. Yeah, and I, I think you know we had been talking the past few weeks about, despite the fact we'd had really strong winners, that it was just a matter of time before a hundred one guy broke through, and I think that's what we saw last week. Obviously, um, putting being a, a key component for some of the guys, Thompson and. Richie Waransky, who are up there for a bit, but both those guys have been striking the ball going in um, kind of since the restart as well, and especially for somebody who putts as well as Thompson did. 
it was still very surprising anytime you get a 101 winner it is but I don't think it was totally shocking uh it was weird the way the course played because it seemed to play tough like on one well of it the played it played days. tough for some guys right that's that was weird about it yeah and but then everyone like torched it on the weekend so that just made this the lack of six of six lineups even harder to overcome um not that the field had a high percentage of six of six but the scoring on the weekend i mean dude shooting you know boat like hoax shooting like minus eight and stuff like that uh yeah i mean i guess that's gonna what'll happen on a course like the 3m where there's not a ton of rough the, the it's not it's not super long and there are risk reward shots where like okay if you can carry it 210 and land it without rolling off the back there's a ton of reward there but there, there's a lot of water right so yeah. like that that's what ended up happening is a lot of these guys were embracing the risk reward or you know just missing here and there and that caught like and when you hit water it's not like hitting it into the rough where like okay you, you make your par you make your bogey or move on when you hit water we're talking like oh guys are out there making eights yeah and you basically had one bad day of bad weather with the winds and stuff that i think played into that as well but um i don't know it's a it's a fun stretch of golf coming up i think obviously the golf played before last week was super strong at the memorial and just strong fields in general last week a bit of a lull this week we're kind of into a wgc which is okay television not always the best for like fantasy and betting uh, but then we got a major next week, so no time to take the foot off the gas. Well, hey, it's also a great week for touting because if someone is bad, like if someone's a thin play, you can just be like, oh, well, you get four rounds of scoring from this guy who <laughs> makes bogeys all the time. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, good. it's a good week to play tout bingo. Listen to your favorite golf podcast and play tout bingo this week. You're going to get all the narratives. Exactly. You'll you'll get the obligatory leave salary on the table. Um, the, the low owned guy thing is always, it's interesting this week because on, on one hand, like with four rounds projections have a longer, you have a longer time to realize the projections. There's no cut inducing that variance. So, um, the accuracy of projections is always more accurate over a four round event than it would be over a two event, um, or two round sample, but you're also guaranteed four rounds out, out of these low owned guys. And there's almost, you know, a, a baked in floor for taking on some risk, especially if it's a guy that you think is pretty live to win the event um so all right so uh tell us about the course that the uh these guys are out there playing this week yeah so this is wgc fedex st jude they played it in different iterations as the fedex st jude classic so it is a wgc field so it's you know the 70-ish guys in the field this week tpc southwind par 70 about 7250 yards long uh, which actually for par 70 is a, a decent length it's 15th on tour in par adjusted distance and then 15th as far as the fairway width narrowness. Um, generally, you're seeing a winning score somewhere between 10 and 15 under. So I know JT last year was the winner at 15 under. That was the stronger field version of this event. In the past, it had been like 10 or 12 under. Those were like the Daniel Berger versions of the event. So I think we're going to be kind of in that 15 under range would be my guess. 15 under uh, sounds like uh, you know, say, and by the way, if Bryson blows up this week, it doesn't matter, right? Four, four rounds of scoring for Bryson. So he can make a 10 and uh, you know, come, so, come roaring back with birdies and Eagles. Brian Harmon actually did that last week, which was crazy. Um, I mean, he opened up with like a 75 or 76 and then just went nuclear in his other rounds. He was still putting up loads of bogeys, but um 
like his DraftKings scoring was elite inside the top 10, despite finishing well below that in placement. So there is some narrative to that. With the expensive guys, you're probably going to need them to deliver placement points in addition, but there definitely will be guys who outscore their finishing positions. All right, so let's head to the top of the market. We have six guys uh, or five guys on DraftKings who are 10,000 or more. We have Rom at 11.4, Rory 11.2, Bryson 11K flat, JT there at uh, 10.7, Cantlay at 10.1. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to make some suggestions to the Coctimizer this week because Bryson is not showing up as a value. I think I think once you make a 10 uh, actually, maybe that uh, maybe that no laying it, that no laying up image of Bryson holding up the trophy with the Photoshop ten got put into the data, and it's just so hysterical that it uh, that it messed up his projection. But he is so to give people an idea, these are like the the value quotients of the top guys. Rom is a four, Rory's a three, JT is ten point five, Cantlay is two point five, Bryson is minus three point two in the Daily Road Optimizer. So it really thinks this price is egregious. <laughs> yeah, I, there's definitely some, you know, slow to catch up on Bryson, but I think also probably the the profile for course fit, which we didn't touch on too much, um, that Data Golf gave us is more or less a second shot course where the approach matters a bit more than the average um, torque course as far as predictive power and driving distance matters less. The interesting thing, both driving distance and accuracy mattered less. So just overall driving the ball didn't show to be quite as predictive here. Obviously, that's not going to mean the top end players aren't expected to be in contention regardless. But I think there's um, some of that playing into the DeChambeau projection as well, just because look like he's been getting all of his strokes off the team with the putter. So I, I think some of that is kind of captured in there too with Bryson. Um, you could say he's a rich man's Wyndham Clark. I think I would call him a rich man's Wyndham Clark because all the dude does is pipe 380 yard drives and then make 20 foot putts. You know, like that, that when he won a month ago, that's what he did. Like he was driving it past all the trouble, not even making great wedge shots, like making very average wedge shots into the greens and then just nailing all these 18 footers. Like that was how he won. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's the Bryson number, you know, you can um, decide that, like, I mean, you can make a decision that you want to throw a course fit in the trash for like the top 10 golfers in the world if you wanted to. And, um, but I think that's why the, Oh, I plan to, it is. <laughs> so uh, the, you know, the top of the field, there's interesting characteristics about each of these guys. I mean, Rom, um, the most recent champion out of anybody who's in this field. And, uh, he's been gaining strokes since three start consistently off the tee. Um, not as good as Bryson, but still, you know, elite, um, game there and Rom definitely is more balanced all around at least as far as his strokes game metrics so um, you know you saw the progression there but you're kind of paying the steep price for him Rory is you know arguably still the best long-term player um, and then you have Bryson down there as well and then JT probably the best approach player of any of the players at 10k plus yeah I mean you you probably are wanting to cut at least one of these guys out in your MME, MME build, maybe two. Um, and it's going to be, it's going to be a very hard week for me. Cause I love, I love Cantlay, right? Long-term he's one of my guys, but you know, I, it's very hard obviously to play him over, over Bryson, over JT, over Rory. Yeah. Yeah. And as especially um, like he's priced in a similar position to JT. So 
I guess, I mean, $600 is a lot, um, but. Especially when you're running max 49.5 K salary cap in the daily road optimizer, it's going to make a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I know we, we kind of made fun of the tout bingo as far as leave the salary on the table. So what I think the right approach to this is, and I kind of created like a template for some sports and some contests is thinking about the ownership as it relates to your overall salary. So if you are going to use a full salary lineup, then you want to be pretty aggressively contrarian on those as far as the max um, ownership on those lineups. Whereas as you drop down, like maybe 50% of the field or 75% is using full salary. Another like 25% uses 49.9 or 49.8. And so at those levels, you can kind of increase the average ownership of your golfers a little bit as you drop down in price point and being able to kind of create this like template there to basically try to dedupe lineups. And I think um, if I MME this week, I, I, I'm sure I will on DraftKings, the $5 drive to green. Uh, I'll probably try to use that type of approach to get rid of dupes opposed to just like setting a salary threshold. I mean, I prefer to be pretty aggressive with that stuff overall, especially. This, this, is, this is like an aggressive approach though. It's just, it takes a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, one thing, one thing I've really come around on, uh, I know, I mean, a lot of people have been doing this for a long time, but I, I really like making groups in PGA DFS now, it's not something that I was really doing much last year. And I've had uh, some good results with it this year in terms of like your good, like your good plays are all going to be grouped together instead of interspersed out through 150 or 300 lineups or whatever. So, you know, I think like doing uh, something I've been doing is, you know, min one of the guys you, you, you expect to be amongst the bucket of winners. So, you know, your, my min one bucket this week probably is going to be Rory Bryson, JT, and then doing a grouping of your value guys. So doing a, with that min one rule, then doing a min two of like, uh, let, you know, but I, these are not, I'm not gone all the way through these yet. So not yeah. holding me to this rule, but some guys who are going to rate out well in the projections are going to be guys like Snedeker, guys like Sung Jay, um, guys like Brennan Todd, guys like Shane Lowry, like not saying these are the guys, but those are guys who are, you know, rating well, Right now, I I, I, lo- I do really like doing that for what it does for your roster construction. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. And I think the other approach you could do, which is maybe a little bit simpler, is try to find like a group of your 10 favorite plays of the week and make sure all your lineups have at least like four or, you know, four of those guys. And then it would just kind of scatter in the value plays. And I think you know, one of the hard things with building lineups and optimizers is just going to follow your parameters. And there are definitely weeks where two guys might look the same from like a leverage score perspective, but one of them comes in with like consistent strokes gain data in the previous three events. And you just feel like a little bit better about the way his game's headed. And the other one's like Kepka who comes in with like bad form and you know, it's all long-term stuff in there. And so uh, I do think that building some of those groups, yeah, it might be something I need to consider more. Um, I would say the other place I use it consistently is on FanDuel when I MME. A lot of times you get a bunch of like low probability punts in the same lineup. And it's just unlikely that all those guys are going to come through. And so sometimes I'll do, instead of doing a min one, I'll do like a max one of the max. The max one is a very good rule. It was a good, it was a great rule last week where if you weren't putting in the cut thresholds or the top 20 thresholds, you were getting some total dust buckets or, two weeks ago when we had like Furick at like 6.5 K 
uh, Stricker at 6K, like they were, you were, they were, the optimizer was giving you a lot of multi dust bucket lineups and you really would rather yeah. go max one. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, one of these guys could definitely top 20, but the chances of them all doing it are, you know, less than 1%. And you probably, you know, don't need to differentiate that much except in like yeah, Millie maker type stuff. All right, so continuing our discussion. Well, uh, of these guys above 10K, do you have a do you have a take? Do you do you uh, do you have a strong opinion on any of them? I mean, my my opinion is that it is a marketed efficiency to have Rory be cheaper than Rom. I will be boosting uh, Rory to give him more DraftKings points in my run than Rom is getting. Yeah, I don't have like a a clear preference between Rory and Rom. Um, kind of see how things shake out. If if anybody is remarkably different as far as public perception then i'd be fine taking an opposite stance there uh i think my preference in a single entry would probably be jt just on like the value and um the slight like tie break to second shot golf course and you know he's been knocking at the door since the restart too so he would probably be my favorite value out of the top end guys all right, so moving on to the next range of guys, we have the always mega popular Webb. We have Xander, who I feel like I will probably take an overweight stance on, then a bunch of dudes uh, that I will not be playing, won't be playing Hatton, won't be playing Berger, won't be playing DJ, won't be playing Brooks. Maybe we'll be playing Finau, but the guys in this range seem like Morikawa and are the eternal Daily Roto Optimizer favorite just because he always falls in that range where you're like, you know what, why not Matthew Fitzpatrick? <laughs> I, I don't know if Fitzpatrick, I think he's he's kind of like gassed up a little bit. 9K? Like we're usually getting him at like 8K. It, we're, getting him at, like we're getting him at, uh, at 8,200 and at uh, 6% projected ownership, yeah. Yeah, so I don't, I don't think he's going to be a play at like $9,000. Probably – probably overpriced they'll probably still be like three percent or something like that so in the lottery stuff maybe you end up with five percent or something but um i think the the price is yeah making it a little bit tougher i guess the guys that jumped out to me at first as far as comfort plays kind of favorite place to target uh were xander morikawa hovland and then tony fino um so those were first glance the guys that i was like looking to roster yeah, Hovland uh, should be should be solid on the second shot golf course. Finau, what do we what do we? I mean, is DJ gonna be like five percent owned? Like, is that gonna happen? I would. I yeah. would think that he's like single digits, so like eight or something like oh, that. Oh, I might. If 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 our final roster projection for him is like five to eight percent, I I think I'll have to play him a little bit. Yeah, it's I mean the the WD with the back injury is you know you, maybe that'll save me. Maybe the wonder, maybe the back injury will save me. I mean, you just wonder if it's he he didn't pull out the week before. He decided to tee it up at this you know weak field event and not sure exactly why he was doing that. And then he's if he's back in the field this week if he's playing. The week before a major, I got to feel like he's healthy enough and that the back was just like an excuse to pull out. Just like, I, I don't feel like grind. I don't feel like grinding this back from zero or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And may, maybe he would have done that at the Memorial too, but it's, you know, Jack's course. So it, you know, e everyone treats that event with a lot more respect. A lot of maybe respect. He felt like yeah. he had to. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll wait and see on, on that. Um, you know, five to 8%, I imagine I would end up having a little bit just cause you're looking for some differentiation. Uh, 
I don't know. It doesn't seem like the spot for Brooks either, I guess. Uh, 9,200. She's just, she's just bad at golf now. It's between DJ and Brooks. Like, if, if they're both going off, same price, same, like, 5 to 8%, are you more interested in DJ or Brooks? I mean, I don't play – I don't remember the last time I played Brooks in Daily Fantasy. Like, I just – I don't actually think he's overpriced now. I think now he's actually at an appropriate price, both in the betting markets and in daily fantasy relative to, you know, where he's at amongst the best golfers in the world. But I don't know. It's just like, I, I feel, I feel zero inspiration to play or wager any of my money on Brooks doing well at golfing. Yeah. I think between those two, if DJ tees it up, I'd probably take DJ. Um, and then Fino, I guess is he's the guy I would change my opinion most on depending on consensus, because I think he's playing decent golf coming in, but if people overrate like the third place finish in a pretty weak field, yeah, and a um, slappy field, then I mean, I wouldn't love it. The Memorial, his ball striking was okay. And he kind of bailed himself out with the putter. Uh, I'd be fine. If he's like 20%, 15, 20, I'd be fine moving off. If he's, you know, in that 10% range, then I, I mean, I should, definitely prefer him for like Fitzpatrick. Yeah. All right. Uh, next range of dudes. We have Decky. We have Reed, Fleetwood, Woodland, Horschel, Answer, Fowler, Day, Spieth, Sergio. Seems like Sergio, Billy, and Woodland are going to be the best plays in that group. Um, shout out to Constant Color Up. Got me a sixty-six to one pinata pick on Patrick Reed this week. So there you go. You got something to root for. Nice value there. So um, yeah, this range in general, I guess the guys I'm like most uncomfortable with that we've been a little bit high on are like Billy Horschel, priced up here. Definitely was hoping for more of a price discount on him. So even if the value's there, probably not a guy I'm super excited about. Um, I'm fine with, I definitely like Hideki, obviously the ball striking. I think Patrick Reed's always interesting because he can get super streaky with the putter. Um, and then I, I think I'm willing to give like Fleetwood a pass for last week. And so he does stand out as a pretty good value at sort of the upper tier in this range. Um, and I definitely prefer all those guys over Horschel. So, um, I think that's where I'm at at, at the top. And then I think an- answers could be a strong Ser- as well. Sergio is like, uh, Sergio is like an extremely good play to me. Like he is a candidate to be on like 40% of my rosters or something like that. I think. 8K. Yeah. He just yeah. is, he just is super, super strong. Like I, I don't really have any, don't really have any concerns about course fit. Don't really have any concerns about long-term form, short-term form. Just think he is pretty much a layup. And I don't think that about Matthew Wolf. I certainly do not think that about Paul Casey who, uh, you you said I well I can't remember if this was you I think it was you that said this in Slack where uh, you know I don't remember a single time where I rostered him and I felt like that was a super good decision or a time where he was going off and I faded him entirely and I really regretted the decision and that to me is like the summary of Paul Casey's career. Yeah, I mean I never yeah I, I tweeted that out. Um, I I can't remember playing him and being like happy about it or fading him and regretting it and then somehow I still end up playing him every week. And I don't know, man. Um, is there really a huge difference between Sergio and Paul Casey, though? Uh, just, like, I've had better results with Sergio, probably. Like, seriously, that's probably it. I mean, like, but that was probably because he was 7K or whatever that one week, which was pretty absurd, and, like, 5% rostered. So, I mean, you know, they're they're both 
hitting the ball pretty well with the long game and the ball striking. And both of them have uh, really poor short games and, and putters. And Casey definitely has hurt a lot more. And Sergio has definitely delivered a little bit more, but not sure there's like a big disconnect between those guys. But I mean, like you said, like if, if Paul Casey's sitting there in like 25th place, am I really going to be like killing myself for not having him? Yeah, no, probably not. Um, and uh, just, you know what? Money making Matt Kuchar, 7,600. Like why, why would I, why would I ever go after, you know, why would I ever play Paul Casey? Why would I ever jam in Leishman? Why would I ever jam in Wolf? When I, Kuchar is as good as a bet as you're going to find for a T12 and like $180,000 paycheck as any golfer you're ever, you will ever find. <laughs> yeah. His two of, I guess two of the compelling decisions, I think this week, Kuchar 7,600, definitely one of them since the restart. He's just been like a perfectly average golfer um, with everything except his putter, which is really what's going to bail them out. And then I think the other guy that is a big decision is Sungjae, which, I mean, it's tough. Like, I, I, I feel like he's been the same way. Like, he's just been perfectly average. I mean, it's not like he's been bad in, in the same way that some of these other guys have. He's just, when he's made the cut, he hasn't done anything as far as, like, a deep run. And when he's missed the cut, it's just been, like, just barely. So, I don't know. I mean, in with the week off or whatever, is it time to get back on Sanjay? I don't know. I think those are two of the, the harder decisions this week. I guess he's the other been guy, so bad. Like just well, he's so, been so bad. He's, he's been, like been so, so average. He's been, he's been incredibly like Max Homa esque is what he's been. I don't know. It's tough. No. I guess, I guess the price makes it more palatable. And like, when you look at the names surrounding him, like literally in, in salary, he's sandwiched between Kevin Na and Ian Poulter, two guys who I just like, don't like to play in DFS. Yeah, yeah. And then it's also the the first week we get Henrik Stenson back in the field. Um, I believe it's the first time that we've seen him play at all. So I think he might be the last of the kind of major Europeans to make their start on, on the U.S. Um, as far as guys who are inside like the top 50 in the world, there are probably a couple like lesser known players I'm overlooking. But I think he, I think Fleetwood and then Stenson were kind of the last guys um, to get in here. We haven't really seen Stenson for a while I'm probably not interested this week but I was curious if you're taking a gamble on Stenson at all I mean uh tout bingo less than driver right if we think if we think that crushing it off the tee doesn't end up mattering that much like Stenson Stenson will probably do the uh the 16 handicap golfer move of going uh three wood three wood on some of these holes right where He's too afraid to take the driver out of the bag, so he hits the three wood, and then he hits it again uh, on some of these par fours and par fives. I guess maybe a decent course fit, but yeah, it's just we've seen with Fleetwood, we've seen with uh, some of these other Euro guys or, you know, some of the guys who didn't play the first couple events or were not stateside during the coronavirus, like their games were just, their games are just a mess relative to the field and their first event back. So I'm thinking probably no, I'm thinking, uh, I will probably give uh, hashtag four days of scoring Scotty Scheffler uh, a spin this week. Yeah. Uh, better, better form the last couple of events. Uh, we, we are now further away from the Dallas charity event that uh, was weighing down his scoring. So I can trust the projection a little bit more. Yeah, I think I'll probably knock in like a, a point or something like that. I'll still be a little bit lower than the the base run. But I think him and Corey Connors are two guys that in this 
lower to 7K range, you can definitely see um, outscoring their finishing position. And uh, those are the type of plays where I think in a normal week, they're definitely volatile enough that we've taken on this cut risk with them before. That's not necessarily there this week. And so you get some of that scoring. And um, I think that it matters for, for guys like that a good bit. All right, let's go. Let's go to the, the chunkers territory. Who are we? Cause I mean, probably two of these guys end up being important to bank. Right. I, I don't know if, I don't know if um, just one of them will get it done. But you know, if, if this goes Rory, uh, Rom in some order, or if, you know, Cantlay and Webb or Zant, you know, two of the guys who are legitimately expensive go one and two, I think you'll probably need two guys down in this range. So some of the names who I think are certainly playable, uh, Homa, your boy, I don't, I don't like him much, but I will probably let him in the player pool. Kevin Kisner, um, of course, Eric Van Royen, the, the projections are going to want a little bit of Louie. I will not be paying in. But then my boy, Shez Reevy. Shez Reevy is just uh, like Dollar General, uh, um, Matt Kuchar at this point in his career, and I'm, I'm pretty cool uh, rocking him for 6700 Yeah. Yeah, and I think as far as individual course histories here, I think he um, has like a decent-sized adjustment as far as performance here compared to his um, overall – baseline i think some of the other guys that had were kind of in that same bucket so these guys probably get a little bit of a boost um where billy horschel was one of them dj was one of them daniel berger kevin kisner brendan todd were some of the other guys who had kind of done better here so you, compared to their baselines uh, you still had kind of top end winners but if you're looking for sleepers i definitely think that Revi is uh you know in a, in a hand-built lineup i'm not sure there's like a guy cheaper that i would actively seek to roster um I guess Brendan Todd at 6,600 would be the other guy I kind of view similarly. Um, Snedeker is, do you, do you want to give some context to the Snedeker projection? Because he is one of the top five values on the optimizer right now. Um, I'm not sure there's a whole lot of context necessary. I think I know when he had first come out, I think that trying to figure out um, whether or not he'd been practicing because he was like tweeting about being in Nashville with his son and, I don't think that's really going to be the case anymore. So it's not like he, he didn't come out great. I mean, miscut 41, miscut, miscut. Um, and then, I, so I, I think it's still more of like a long-term thing with him. Um, I definitely feel like I need to toggle up the short-term form a little bit. And I don't know if that's a leak, but with such a long gap in kind of the COVID restart, I definitely feel like I should be overweighing, you know, what's happened like the past six or seven weeks a little bit more than some of the long-term stuff. Cause um, the long-term stuff, it gets weighed down by the stuff data golf does, but uh, I don't know. That's just like a personal opinion. I haven't really tested it or anything. I think it's a, not something we've ever been able to think about or model before. Um, so I, yeah. I guess I'm lower than the projections on Snedeker. That was a long winded way of answering that. No, I've moved. I've been moving the short-term form to like 30 or 40 when running the optimizer the last couple weeks and and manually boosting guys with better results over this you know last like last little while i think that is i think that's pretty intuitive a couple a couple hashtag four rounds of scoring guys uh jason kokrak obviously i think can uh i think he can do decently here and nick taylor as well and these are total bottom of the barrel scrubs yeah. I mean, Nick Taylor's, al he's almost a stone man, right? 6,100. It's just, 
kind of like this guy's reasonably competent as a golfer and he lets you jam in whatever you want, which would, would which, yeah. you know, you have to get the top end guys right for that to work out. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, going over to the betting markets now, gotta be honest, it feels after betting DJ last week at 12 to one and having him withdraw, I'm a little gun shy going back to the top of the market again, but Rory at, 12 Hideki at 30 those both feel like pretty decent numbers relative to the field um yeah Rory feels like it's fair so if you if you I don't think you're getting some like screaming value there if you wanted to bet it and have a sweat I don't think it's a you're getting like a horrible price either so I, I guess that number is fair um same thing with Decky. I mean, I guess with Decky, it's just always like, I feel like he's always going to be in contention, but is he ever going to like put it all together to, to win? Um, I don't know. Especially such a strong field. Like you can just see him there T2 on Sunday and then Rom or Rory or Bryson or whoever is just making every putt. And you're just like in your mind, you're like watching Hideki miss four footers and just tilting your face off. Yeah. And then, I mean, it obviously this week, there's a lot of really great golfers in the field. It's generally been a bit of a tougher course on tour. Not not like elite level toughness, but a, a little bit of a tougher course. But Nick Taylor's 300 to one on FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, you can't find him at a price better than that. I, I would I would lock in the T20 at uh, at the, the commiserate odds there. Like that, that's a great bet. Yeah. And, you know, data golf makes him like 265 to one. So it's, I mean, you're getting value, but it's obviously still pretty unlikely to come through. Yeah. Um, one and done this week. I mean, after Michael Thompson won, whoever, if anyone had Michael Thompson last week in the Gups corner, one and done power to you. What a, what a, what a play, what a play to get Michael Thompson. I, I would say maybe Morikawa actually, he seems, he seems like a guy that, Many people have already thrown their bullet on and, uh, you know, whatever. He's, he's a really good golfer. Yeah. I, I think, you know, this week you're probably taking like a top 10-ish guy. So uh, maybe you're not burning Rom or JT or Rory, maybe not even Bryson. Um, but I think you are taking like a top 10 guy. So um, I, I guess Webb and Xander were two of the guys I'll turn to the mix there. Yeah. Uh, we, I mean – it's just really not going to surprise me when this goes, uh, you know, can't lay, can't lay web Rom and Rory and Bryson are like T8 and I'm well, just, I'm just poor there. Well, Davis, I got good news for you. Cause if, if it, we got the pinata picks, the quick pick reveal here where we take a team each week with six golfers, one guy who's above 10 K one guy in the nine K range, one guy in the eight K range. And then we got three guys in the seven K range or cheaper if we need the salary. And Patrick Cantlay is the top golfer this week for pinata picks. So he's the anchor. Dustin Johnson is a $9,000 guy. So we got a contrarian bullet building here. A lot, lot of contrarian uh, options there. We, we did not even discuss this next guy at all. Ricky Fowler. Well, not, not worth discussing. So there we got We This is our all contrarian pinata picks lineup. And then our, our value picks um, are, I think they're okay value picks this week, but, you know, Adam Hadwin, Kevin Streelman, and Sungjae M. $700 on the table for this lineup. So I, I kind of like it this week. Yeah, won't, won't be duped? 
There you go. So play that lineup in PGA Cash, I think, is what we're saying, basically. Exactly. All right, everyone, there we go. Uh, if you're interested in checking out the product, head over to dailyroto.com slash golf. Get access to the optimizer and the projections, all of our betting tools. Uh, hope, we're, hope we're coming back this time next week with uh, either Bryson making us laugh again or uh, to, a, to a Rory victory. So good luck this week. We will, uh, we'll be back next week, everybody. Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360.